0: We are celebrating our one year anniversary here, Left Turn Canada, about one year. We're not so specific on the dates, Christo and I. And we thought it'd be great to celebrate that by having on our very first guest. She was very gracious to come back MP Nikki Ashton is here. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. The Thanks first time coming. And coming
1: back. Oh goodness! Wow! Happy birthday, Left Turn! Uh, you know the, the the big one year. Uh, you guys have done incredible work. I was gonna say uh, my my most recent one year birthday was that of my kids, which is now three years ago, and there was a lot of cake thrown around. So I hope we can uh, we can make some room for that at some point this evening or next time we see each other. Um, but look, you know, you you guys are are leading voices uh in the progressive community in our country uh you've uh, um you've put to- together uh, thought-provoking um inspiring episodes and uh really created a space for for progressives to to meet uh and uh, build community organize and and i just uh um just want to thank you for that and and i'm so honored to be back as as your one-year guest
0: <laughs> you're too kind nikki far far too kind we're just <laughs> we're, we're all just doing our best, our, our, best, yeah. our best. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I at. mean,
1: and we thank you for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I wanted just to start off, kind of looking because it is this one year, and you know, we it's important to put meaning to these these time frames. Do you think in the last year, considering what has happened uh, in the world with COVID, the the economic responses, how things have kind of changed here in Canada, you know, from March of 2021 to now? Do you think that we are generally in a better place, Canadians, or do you think things perhaps overall have gotten worse? How would you, you know, grade that?
1: Well, I um, I think it's been a very uh, it's been a very difficult year, right? I think um, if you you asked all of us uh, a year ago. Um, last year, I think there was some hope in the horizon. Right, we knew vaccines were um, were a thing. You know, people were getting access. I mean, there was still a fair bit of frustration around lack of access, certainly within our own country. Great hope that we could m- make sure to vaccinate the world. Um, certainly, I think for many of us progressives, we were really keen to talk about uh, a, a, a new normal where mm-hmm. uh, uh, where the state, right, has 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 uh, um, as we saw during the pandemic and incredible power to lift people up through social programs, uh, through income supports, through the, through investment. Um, and, uh, um, and, and unfortunately what we saw over the last year was uh, uh, again, uh, you know, at at really every turn, um, governments and corporations place profits ahead of of the well being of people. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw that uh, while many Canadians did have access to the vaccine, um, Canada is continues to be one of the countries that stands in the way of uh, of the world becoming vaccinated. Um, uh, um, we we know that. Uh, uh, Certainly, I mean, the NDP pushed for a great deal of, of, uh, of supports to be expanded and extended. Uh, the, the Liberals did so somewhat um, over the, the, the last number of months, but we know a lot of key programs were lost and, and, and key supports are, are no longer there. Uh, and we know that a lot of Canadians have, have uh, fallen on harder, harder times. Uh, and so, so that gap of inequality is, is, uh, is very much increasing. And this all the while uh, you know, the, the richest among us, the richest in our country have made record profits, mm-hmm. right. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk in this day and age around oligarchs as there should be. And I mean, Canada has its own set of oligarchs, uh, that, uh, um, that, that made a, a killing during this yeah. pandemic and many benefited from, from, uh, uh, public funding right through the wage subsidy program and, and, uh, and other things as well. And then of course, you know, I mean, uh, the last, uh, the last uh, two months, right, I think, you know, uh, at New Year's, everybody was hoping that that something's got to give, you know, 2022 has got to be better. Uh, and uh, as soon as we got into it we we saw the, the ugly the f- very clear and ugly rise of uh, or symbol I guess of of the far right in mm. the occupation in Ottawa the the occupation in cities across our country um, uh, and uh, you know and it's something that I think a lot of us as progressives have been talking about for years uh, and uh, and and we saw uh um you know, we, we saw people, uh, um, you know, engage in, in uh, um, uh, hateful, uh, mm-hmm. fascistic, uh, um, abusive, uh, you know, uh, intimidating uh, actions in, uh, in, in very clear ways. And, um, you know, and I think that was a wake-up call to a lot of people that, that, you know, didn't see that side of Canada or thought it was one-offs or comments on Facebook. Well, you know, here it was very much mobilized. And then, uh, and then, of course, here we are in a in a very difficult moment where where we have the uh, the brutal invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Uh, obviously, a lot of people here in Canada deeply impacted the Ukrainian community. Um, you know, folks across our country are, are uh, um, you know are really hurting right now, thinking of Ukraine, uh, and um, uh, you know, and, and of course, the desire to 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 be part of the solution, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, so I. Um, You know, I, I, I mean, are there signs of hope? Are there, are there some incredible things uh, happening, you know, organizing, particularly around climate justice, indigenous resistance? Yes. Uh, But I think we've seen over the last year that uh, our our work is cut out uh, for us uh, when it comes to taking on climate change, when it comes to taking on crushing inequality, and when it comes to taking on the rise of the far right.
0: Yeah, with all of these existential threats that are slowly, as you said, becoming in the forefront. Now they're they're perhaps clearer than ever. There does seem to be, and I, I hope we can we can touch on this on the work you're doing in Ottawa, but there does seem to be a pushback to the idea that we may have to use, you know, shut of the thought, imagine this more progressive and humanistic ways. Of you know, governing our country in order to literally save it from you know, climate catastrophe, from these threats of the far right, I know you've been a big champion of that uh, for a long time here. Do you think that there's any positives of now seeing these threats a little more clearly? that perhaps this will maybe push people just a little more to agree to progressive policies that maybe they, they wouldn't in the past because now the threat is right here and you know it's, it's a much clearer in view threat to regular Canadians?
1: Well, absolutely. I I uh, I think that um, you know we we saw a lot of people, uh, you know, shaken. I mean, uh, first and foremost, obviously, people that that uh, live in Ottawa uh, and uh, live in neighborhoods that were literally terrorized by uh, um, by by those involved in these occupations. Um, uh, you know, and I, I think I I think people you know, so many people couldn't gra- grapple with the fact that, uh, um, you know, right off the bat, you started seeing, uh, swastikas and Confederate flags and symbols, mm-hmm. very clear symbols of hate, uh, um, proudly displayed by people involved in these, in these, uh, um, protests. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I, I think what, what, uh, our, our takeaway is that, uh, um, uh, you know the far right is is very uh, um, is very much on on the rise. Uh, its capacity to organize is uh, is there. Uh, its capacity to mobilize is there. And um, you know, and, and it's uh, it's not. You know, we don't need to to, to get into the weeds on things here um we, we have to be very clear in calling it out mm-hmm. uh in, in cl- calling out how dangerous it is uh and um you know and i support those including uh, in ottawa who are calling for a commission into into what happened uh, including the role of the police that aided and abetted this occupation particularly in ottawa um uh you know and <clears throat> what was the role of political leadership including many conservative members of parliament who supported, funded, encouraged this occupation. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, and I think we need to learn some lessons about what we need to do to shut down uh, the far right in our country. Uh, you know, and I, I think it's, uh, it, it is, uh, you know, I think a lot of Canadians have, have woken up to the fact that uh, uh, that this is not something we can ignore uh, and that we need to act on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think just transitioning from one, you know, catastrophe, to another, the, the war in Ukraine. I, I know Christo and I have been talking about, as the world has, for, for many yeah. weeks now. And we, we've always tried to gather, I think, as much progressive thoughts on this as we can. And this idea of trying to diffuse the violence, the, that there shouldn't be this continued uh, conflict. Anything we can do to, to get closer to peace is, I think, a sentiment that is uh, alive and well with progressives here in canada you know we you all the mps got to hear from the president of uh, ukraine today you know what was your take i guess on and as best as you can uh surmise the the feeling in ottawa as this this kind of momentous uh, event happened and kind of where canadians and, and the government's going from here
1: Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the President of Ukraine's address today in Parliament was very, uh, uh, very emotional. Um, You know, he really painted a picture of of the, uh, um, the unbelievable horrific cost of war um of you know the russian invasion of of the cost of 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 life first and foremost um you know talked about uh, uh, the heart wrenching facts around uh, children being lost in this in this war um, and um you know it was uh, uh, he also you know as we know asked canadians to imagine if this was happening in our own cities right in our own country mm-hmm. and uh, and i thought that was a very um, a poignant way of, of, of driving the point home. Um, Obviously, like I said earlier, so many Canadians, so many of us are are gripped by what's, what's happening there. Um, You know, for me personally, i actually look you know most people know i'm from manitoba um the prairies has very high uh, very yeah. you know huge ukrainian community in fact uh, and, and of course Christo and i have the connection of being greek um in my community the greek church was actually sold to the ukrainian community and yeah. then it became a ukrainian church so that's the church i went yeah. to growing up i actually um learned some ukrainian and um you know, a number of my friends growing up were the bat were Ukrainian background, uh, and uh, you know many of us are are you know connected in 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 one way or another, and uh, um, you know so it really hits home in 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 a country like Canada, um, and I I I do think though that that uh, as as we talk about you know our role as as Canadians, uh, we we need to remind ourselves that we've often been uh, champions of peace, mm-hmm. and. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, And I'm not sure that we're hearing enough of that right now. Um, You know, for us in the NDP, it's been really important to push for humanitarian aid, uh, critically important to push for uh, the acceptance of refugees, including by Canada, and cutting through some of the liberal talking points of, you know, everyone's welcome, but not actually putting the systems in place to ensure that they are. Mm -hmm. uh, Or not accepting
2: accepting, uh, people who are not Ukrainian citizens yet fleeing the um, war. Exactly. So m- the vast majority of whom are, are of course, uh, n- non-white people. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, and, and really uh, incl- also dropping the visa requirements. I mean, it's just uh, pretty rich to hear Canada go on about accepting folks and, and uh, continuing to place the barriers uh, that, uh, that, that bar people from getting here. Um um and so so we've been very clear on 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 that support that's necessary um you know and I think what's also really important is that we talk about uh, how we can de-escalate the situation and and bring about peace and and a, a global agenda founded on peace uh, we know that in, in war uh, um you know nobody wins right mm-hmm. people die on all sides uh, and you know civilians die uh young people young kids, young men that were sent to fight conscripted, et cetera, uh, die. Uh, and, uh, and, and those that don't die, many of them come back wounded. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and we, we know that nobody wins in war. Mm -hmm. Um, but perhaps, you know, a caveat is that there are some who profit immensely uh, arms manufacturers, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so, so, we we need to think critically about what it is we're encouraging here, and and uh, and remind ourselves of our of our roots, of our values as Canadians around peace, uh, and what that could look like. Um, you know, I, I uh, again, as somebody who has relatives in in Europe, right, mostly in Greece uh, and elsewhere in Europe, um, you know people in europe feel that if this were to escalate uh you know and i'm not even just talking about a potential nuclear war here um but even e- anything more than what it is right now it could be devastating for for so many countries yeah uh and so so it, it, it's it's not okay for us to be on the other side of the ocean um uh, uh ratcheting things up right yeah. and and really uh, as canadians i mean and and uh, and and really what's critical is uh, is for us to be pushing for peace, uh, for humanitarian support, for uh, um, the welcoming of, of refugees. And of course, you know, I, I do want to share the fact that that uh, what's what's also really important is is for us to remind ourselves as Canadians is is the importance of of, of showing that the same kind of solidarity with with peoples around the world yes. uh, that have also been the targets of illegal occupations, invasions. You know, I'm thinking of, of Palestine. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of Yemen. Um, you know, and and uh, when we obviously know Canada's involvement in Afghanistan uh, and. Um, you know, and a lot of a lot of communities uh, haven't uh, received the support uh, that uh, that they require, uh, and certainly in the case of of Saudi Arabia and and uh, uh, Israel, for example. I mean, Canada is 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 part of the problem, right? So, mm-hmm. so um, again, this idea of peace is um, it, you know is such a powerful concept. It's something that we used to talk a lot more about and act on, and um, as as a country, and and I. I um, I feel very, very strongly that we need to remind ourselves of that.
2: Well, I mean, the, I think right ahead. now it's, it's it's hard because there, there's this there's this concerted effort to to almost like silence any of those parallel discussions. I mean, at the beginning, when people were pointing out the, the racism uh, in the border uh, of Ukraine and, and countries like Poland and and other bordering nations about how uh, refugees who are not white Ukrainians were being treated. Uh, It was dismissed as Kremlin disinformation. And of course, we know that was BS and that people of color by the hundreds of thousands were suffering unduly. Uh, And uh, any reference to Palestine right now is being seen as, you know, part of Kremlin propaganda. And I think it's very important that we have these discussions. And Andy and I played a, a clip yesterday from a, or last week from a member of the, uh, the Irish, Uh, parliament uh, speaking about this. And I think it's important now is precisely the moment to make the parallels about how, you know, if if Canadians were going off to fight to liberate Palestine, they would be arrested before they got out of Pearson Airport. Mm. And yet, you know, the Globe and Mail is writing very, very uh, nice puff pieces about some Ukrainians leaving to fight Ukrainian Canadians leaving to fight wearing symbols of the far right. And I think that pointing these things out is not uh, support for Putin or even neutrality in this conflict. Cause I think Andy and I have been clear that we, we, we support, you know, uh, Ukraine in this conflict, but I do think that's incredibly important. And I do think that it's important that we, we, you know, we, we, we acknowledge that this, this could get worse. Right. And I know this yeah. is a tough, tough conversation, but you know, there's a, a growing movement to talk about a no fly zone. And, Ooh. and I think, you know, Canadians, uh, are are, are are having that discussion but i think that you know that's not a, that's not a step we can take and i think the left in canada needs to be strong that providing aid is is one thing but you know that's not a step we should be willing to take and that's my concern uh, you know,
0: too with you know. the, what zelensky said today the idea that so much of it was so important but there was the idea for more help and you know that call to action and the concerning thing seems to be that and again, it's it's not a good barometer for actual sentiment among Canadians, but there seems to be a, a bigger push on social media for more action, and that more action is a quote unquote no-fly zone, which I think a lot of people as we talk about Christo maybe don't realize that's war. That that's not yeah. just like the a poll was divided
2: way. on that, right? Yeah. Like a couple weeks ago, we shared a poll. That seemed to show that Canadians supported a no fly zone and Andy and I's theory, uh, I don't think unreasonably was that, okay, people don't know what it means, but somewhat concerning last Mm -hmm. week, there was a poll done by, I believe it was abacus and they asked Canadians, it was a fair, you know, like, you know, polling questions can be, can be misleading or can be uh, directing This one asked people like, you know, polling a no fly zone could lead to direct NATO war with Russia. And still in that particular poll, at least a a super majority of Canadians supported a no fly zone. So I do think that um, it's a it's something we have to deal with. And I think it's something the left has to kind of be firm on, even if it's uh, difficult, that that isn't necessarily a conducive path towards Uh, a better tomorrow. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's, that's a conversation that I don't think we're going to be able to avoid. Cause as Andy noted, um, Zelensky asked for it. And I know that I, I don't know if he's done it yet, but I know he's, he's speaking to the, uh, I think the U S Congress tomorrow and the demand will probably be made there. And given that it's, you know, it's the, it's the American Congress, the coverage of that will be immense and the pressure will be immense following that. And so I, I, I,
0: yeah, that, what some, yeah, what do yeah. you what think? Yeah, what do you, about you that, think? Nikki? Nikki? Just yeah, the NDP, yeah. we were talking to ourselves here. We forgot we had a guest. But uh yeah. we did hear from uh Singh today. He did stand up and say, you know, Zelensky asked for help. We must answer that call. Hopefully, you know, w- what's your take on I guess and we're not going to have you speak for the NDP, but just what's your take on what that answer could be?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think within the NDP and certainly in discussions we've had, there's a very clear recognition of, of how um, uh, a no fly zone would be ratcheting up the, the conflict with with um, you know uh, unbelievable <laughs> uh, uh, consequences, right? And mm-hmm. uh, um, and so, um, uh, but I <laughs> but I also hear you on on on, on the way in which. Uh, the message we heard today, and, and obviously it's a message that we've been hearing for for a while now, is is very much um, uh, also amplified uh, and uh, part of, of sort of this this uh, um, drumming up for war. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, um, you know, and, it, and it's been concerning to see the extent to which, uh, Canadian media has, has not actually, um, you know, mainstream media, uh, has, has not actually, uh, covered, um, the views of of many here in canada who are looking for a a, a for de-escalation for a more peaceful solution um uh, you know the fact that exactly our foreign affairs minister encouraged people to go fight right i mean uh, or to you know make their own decision and and uh, um you know and i've seen people on facebook doing it people i know mm, right yeah. and wow. um you know and i i uh, and i know you guys know this but uh, um you know my, my partner's a veteran he he was injured in afghanistan when he was part of the military and he's got lifelong injuries and ptsd mm-hmm. um it's no joke right no. there's there's no no um heroism in uh um in in coming back uh, broken uh and and then and then of course having a, a state and this is obviously as part of the forces that doesn't actually support you the way it should mm-hmm. never mind going in in this capacity right um you know and and uh i, I it's um you know and i i you know i think of that 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 phrase right their wars are dead right i mean and and uh i mean it's it's you know vile people like putin that uh um uh, that obviously led this this uh this this campaign uh but um uh, but it's it's so many innocent people, including now from Canada, that are, are going to pay the price uh, and to see sort of media drumming that uh, um that. You know, ratcheting up this 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 conflict is uh, here in our own country is is very troubling. Um, you know, and and uh, we need to remind ourselves of of, of you know what the cost of of uh, of, of war. Um, you know, wars that we were part of, uh, um, conflicts that we weren't part of, and uh, um, and how how critical it is to do everything we can to avoid escalation and bring bring back peace um you know and that's that's something that um that I think is very critical I also I mean what what also greets me at times is is the extent to which uh Canada also isn't very frank with with uh with us in terms of other countries in Europe and where they're at I mean a number of the countries mm-hmm. that border Ukraine have far-right governments right yes. I mean you know they they are they yeah. are warm uh and uh um uh, you know and we don't hear much coverage of what countries like Sweden have been doing right a country that has refused to be part of NATO uh that that uh you know is is uh um uh, very much uh has been talking about de- the importance of de-escalation um right and and certainly there's a number of uh you know huge peace marches in Europe you know immense solidarity with the Ukrainian people and a message of peace right and um and we don't hear about that here in in Canada um uh, and and uh, you know and obviously first you know I acknowledge that for the diaspora it's it What's what's happening there is is uh, um, is devastating, uh, but I think for a lot of Canadians that that may not be as directly connected to Ukraine, it, it's easy to be flippant about these things, yeah. uh, and uh, and that just cannot be the case. Um, and so I, I hear you about the importance of of the NDP being clear in its commitment to peace and and de-escalation, and and for us, uh, you know, I know this has been important, uh, focusing on on, uh, uh, the humanitarian peace as well as economic sanctions, uh, and and saying that, um, you know, war uh, shouldn't be the answer.
2: Thank you for for talking to us about that, because it was such a a momentous, kind of like a historic moment in Parliament today, uh, but I do want to kind of focus in on the reason we, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, having you on, that we wanted to talk a bit about uh, your new piece of legislation uh, and uh, in particular how it's relating to some recent moves by the Liberal government. The The Liberal government has recently announced a, a new uh, Via Rail project, but the reality is at least for now, it looks like they're trying to work it in as a privatization scheme. So I want to talk about that and your piece of legislation to really reimagine the role of public services. Yes, well,
1: I am very excited to be talking to you guys about this. Uh, so uh, so first off, um, uh, folks may not know, but every after every election, they put all of the uh, everybody's name in, in a hat. I don't know what it is, probably a very big hat. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they pull out the names and through a lottery system based on when your name is pulled out, uh, that is when you will have the opportunity to put forward a private member's bill. Uh, and, um, and of course you can, you can present a private member's bill at any time, but uh, the, the, the sort of the higher you, you get in this lottery, the, the much greater chance it's gonna be not just presented, but debated possibly go to committee, possibly passed. And, uh, uh, in my 14th year of doing this work, uh, I finally hit um, the number. had, uh, yes. Yeah. I, uh, uh, it's a good thing. I don't play uh, slots or, 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 gamble because, uh, yeah, clearly it took a while to get to the point, but, um, yeah, so I was actually selected as number 19. So fairly high up. And there's actually only three of us in the NDP that are in the top 20. Uh, and, uh, and so it was sort of, Right away, we got got to thinking, you know, what are we going to put forward here. Uh, and uh, for me, it was really critical that it be uh, centered on uh, on the communities I represent and communities like um, like ours that are struggling across the country in the face of the greatest threat we all face, which is climate change. Um, and so we put forward a bill. It's bill T- C245. Uh, all of the info is on our website and I encourage uh, people to, uh, to, to check it out, uh, to add your name, uh, to, uh, to get involved in our campaign. Uh, and what this bill is, it is a bill that, uh, changes the infrastructure bank of canada's act but essentially what it is it is a bill that uses public ownership in the fight against climate change yes which you know it, it brings together two core concepts for for us as progressives um you know the 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 uh, the clear understanding that that we can only we will only be able to win the fight against climate change through bold collective action Uh, and and also the belief that we need a transformative vision of our economy that can get us to that place Uh, and uh, and something like that is is uh one of those ways is through public ownership and so right off the bat we said you know if we're going to go down this path what you know what does that actually look like and uh um and not many people know about uh, just over four years ago the liberals bill morneau one of our favorites
2: <laughs> uh
1: haha um yeah. put together a new current corporation called the the uh, canada infrastructure bank which i think if if you ask most people they may not have heard of it. And then if if you ask, you know, do you think it's a good idea? You know, an infrastructure bank, I think most people would say yes. And then I think what you would also hear is is once people get to find out that this bank hasn't actually seen a project to completion, is sitting on $35 billion, uh, is uh, hell-bent on, on um, uh, securing private inbe- investment, uh, that it is a failure. And it is a perfect example of... Uh, corporate welfare. And so, uh, you know, what we're saying is, let's get rid of, of, or let's reform its foundations. And what this bill does is it takes out the required uh, private investments. So saying no to triple P's, which mm. have been proven to be uh, just public-private uh, partnerships. Brutal. Yeah. 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 Pub- public-private yeah. partnerships. Exactly. Uh, we got rid of the for-profit motive, which, you know, is also part of the bank that, that, you know, you should be building water plants and bridges that, uh, that yeah. turn around a <laughs> profit. My goodness. And, um, and then the other pieces that we brought in was, was a clear need to focus on infrastructure that mitigates and adapts to climate change, but for us it was very important to emphasize mitigation. Uh, and we we brought in the, the importance of uh, prioritizing Northern and indigenous communities, communities mm-hmm. that are paying the highest price in terms of climate change, we know through, through uh, um, research that uh, that that is the case obviously uh and also the communities right that have the least capacity to deal with that and, and particularly for that's obviously particularly the case for indigenous communities there's also some really uh, important pieces around governance uh, you know an infrastructure bank in a country with a um an infrastructure deficit Uh, you know, where the deficit is particularly more pronounced in Indigenous communities has no Indigenous representation on the board, which is ridiculous. So we are saying that needs to change. And then the other piece is we we are also saying through this act that there needs to be transparency. And that means regular reporting to Parliament, which also does not exist right now. So so it's uh, it's we're very much uh, rebuilding the uh, the infrastructure bank to make it work for our communities, and it's not exclusive to Northern Indigenous communities by any means, um, uh, in the fight against climate change. And, uh, you know, this is, this is, uh, um, I mean, anybody we've spoken to has been pumped from climate activists to um, uh, new, Indigenous and Northern uh, uh, municipal and Indigenous leaders uh, to, um, folks involved in uh, in, in uh, the labor movement, and particularly those that have been actively fighting uh, public-private partnerships, uh, you know, there's, there's a real sense out there that, you know, there obviously, there need to be many tools in the toolbox in the fight against climate change. And if we are not using public ownership, uh, we are, uh, you know, setting ourselves back. So we're saying we have this opportunity to do it, let's do it and uh, right in the mix of, of, of all this i mean we presented <laughs> at end of february yeah um you know the, the the liberals come out well this was last week with this um ridiculous plan uh this their proposal for high frequency rail not high speed rail but high frequency uh that uh, that would that would be entirely a, a triple p investment and um uh, uh and, and and i mean it, it it's uh, it's already not off to a good start. They offered us actually a, a, a briefing, our, our offices, uh, my from for our office and uh, the office of, of my colleague Taylor Backrack, who's our the NDP infrastructure critic, uh, and they didn't let us into the Zoom room, so so we didn't get to hear <laughs> great you know, start what exactly yeah. it was right and uh, and and already they've been been pilloried um, somewhat, although. Although this is this proposal uh, merits uh, much more attention than it's been receiving, so I appreciate you guys raising it, uh, and uh, and it certainly again points to the fact that uh, uh, that the liberals need, <laughs> you know, really need to put to rest this this uh, favoritism of their corporate friends uh, using using public funds at a time of of crisis.
2: So I mean, yeah, that's that's a fantastic rundown of of both your bill, but also. Ah, uh, the the failure of the 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 current government to to do anything good and really do the, quite the opposite. But I, I, I kind of just wanted to to step back and I think have a bit of a discussion here because I think part of the challenge we're seeing in this, both from like a cultural perspective, but also from how the government handles this policy. Uh, And this 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 fight of climate change is on the one hand to correctly like the liberal government has correctly said, at least rhetorically, that we're dealing with like a climate emergency like this is a catastrophe like Canada has formally recognized, quote unquote, that climate change is a national emergency, yet we refuse to like treat it as such and kind of uh, regress into individualism, like a hyper individualistic Mm -hmm. focus. So, for instance. You know, and, and Paris Marx, who hosts Tech Won't Save Us, another one of the, the, the Harbinger podcast shows, has talked about these things where, you know, the focus is on electric vehicles, like on individuals buying individual electric cars um, as the solution or the biggest solution in reducing carbon emissions or individuals, uh, you know, putting solar panels on their house. And this isn't to say those things don't have situational value. But it, it's it's seen as a substitution for, you know, green mass transit and public ownership. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, you know, how from a cultural perspective, your legislation and how we sell it can can add this social element, because in many ways, like, without exaggeration, like fighting, fighting climate change is going to be like fighting a total war. Like if you want to do it effectively, mm-hmm. you're gonna to have to see it in some ways as like a World War II analog where the mm-hmm. entirety of society has to kind of be reconfigured to fight this battle. And in many ways, it might be it might be a a more difficult battle uh, because the terms are more nebulous and, 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 and all of that. But how do we get there as, as 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 socialists, as, as progressives, as 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 people that want to build that that green politics beyond individualism? Mm
1: -hmm. well how do we get there uh in part through this bill i would argue cristo yeah Yeah. Uh, and 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 look i i we've actually i mean i you know i i i wish you could you could see some of the responses we're hearing obviously a lot of our of our campaign so far has been on zoom and the meetings we're doing obviously online um you know people are, are saying uh you know, wow, this is, this is really exciting. You know, this is, this is really different. You know, this is what we need. And, and they're saying this from different vantage points, right. The, the, you know, for climate activists, it's, it's, um you know, it's, it's one of the tools many talk about, but uh, you know, as I've, as I've heard from some of the activists themselves, it's not talked about enough. Um, right. And from, from indigenous and Northern leaders and, and, and municipal leaders uh, overall that we've spoken to, it's, it's, you know we are. You know we're we're banging our head against the wall trying to get support around mitigation and adaptation. And uh, um, as as the former mayor of Akaluit put it, you know the government uh, put aside two billion dollars, um, and and really all you all you could could apply for were, were things like solar panels. Uh, and and she said that's not what we need. You know we we need we need uh, pipes uh, that that uh, are able to withstand the permafrost melt so that we can drink water. Right, I mean, uh, right, and then and then you hear from folks that have been fighting triple P partnerships that are saying, you know, yes, like let's let's uh, let's not just be talking about uh, private uh, fighting privatization, but let's be talking about proposing public ownership, uh, right, and, and proposing our vision as progressives, uh, as democratic socialists. In, in terms of what the economy should look like, and particularly in the fight against climate change. Uh, and so so there's a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, but, um, you know, as we know, a lot of things in parliament, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, they, they don't, uh, uh, they don't get out there the way they should. And what we're what we're really hoping uh, through our campaign is that that people will engage, will sign up, you know, if you have a liberal MP, or a or a block mp or even a conservative mp let them know that you want them to vote for this bill uh, if you have a liberal mp that lives in your city or in your area they may not be your mp's let them know right i mean here we have a a governing party that uh, exactly to your point christo has has uh, um you know has greenwashed their agenda uh, and uh, um, you know, talking about clim- being climate champions on the world stage, um, you know, they, they've, they've, uh, I mean, they've also created this this crown corporation that that uh, is doing nothing for Canadians, but uh, is there for, for their corporate friends, um, right? And what we need to see is is them put, you know, their their supposed belief in the need for urgent action on climate change and their supposed belief in the power of crown corporations together to make a difference. Uh, for our communities, uh, you know, it, it essentially to survive. And that's it. So we, um, you know, we, we are doing, uh, we're, we actually have our first hour of debate in a couple of weeks. Uh, so the campaign is ongoing for the next number of weeks. We don't know when it's going to come to a vote yet. The first vote, likely uh, June. Uh, and so we're really uh, hoping that folks will take the time and let their MPs know that, uh, and let folks in their community know uh, to let MPs know that uh, that a bill like this matters. And, um, and this really is about uh, changing the conversation uh, putting pressure on on our government to use public ownership in the fight against climate change.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's so critical because I think it's about changing uh, the, the mindset, right? Like that that profit motives are often in direct opposition to what the needs of Canadians are. Uh, all Canadians, in some cases, but but particularly the marginalized Canadians, as you've noted, that you know, in some cases, profit motives. Uh, sometimes, you know, irrationally, but profit motives will just assume there's no money to be made, and so they won't provide a service. And I do think that's uh, incredibly critical. And I think it's important that it's very future oriented because, you know, I do think that you know the in an ideal world, we would have listened to the 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 Tommy Douglases and the Ed Broadbents of the world and nationalized our oil industry 40, fifty years ago uh, and been able to reap the profits as we wound down. Uh, you know, uh, from the carbon age, but I think it's critical that we we build the the green infrastructure of tomorrow. I know Andy said that we had a couple questions from yes, our Discord uh, that that were more than fitting to to include Nikki on. So, uh, Andy, do you have those uh,
0: handy? Yeah, yeah, I got a few. A lot of people were excited uh, that you were coming yeah. on, and unfortunately, yeah, like- a lot of them wanted to call you to task for everything that's wrong in Canada. But, you know, I, I don't think you're responsible for all that. Uh, you know, there, that. We contain multitudes here at Left Turn Canada. Uh, but there was, and i I'm kind of amalgamating one or two different questions here. The, the first one specifically about, you know, this legislation and, and your hopes for uh, combating the climate crisis here in Canada. You know, it, it does seem like it, it very much is an essential first step. Christo mentioned it before, if there were changes that had been made that eliminated some of these uh, triple P relationships years ago, we would be that much ahead. Mm -hmm. Do you have a concern that because this is seen as perhaps just the first step for what we need to do to really get ahead of this existential crisis of climate change, if this first step is still... Maligned and labeled as, you know, communism and and pushing it too far. Then, what is, you know, your hope or rationale to get us to, you know, the legislation a couple years from now after this starts working, where we can push it even further to stop this, you know, crisis to really make sure we get ahead of it? How how are you going to address those outlandish and disingenuous and just horrible things that I really do think? Unfortunately, you're going to hear from some Canadians and maybe even your colleagues. Well,
1: first off, you know, I, I I want to say, and I talked a lot about this in, in uh, when I um, when I ran for, for leader of the NDP. You know, it's been a big big part of my work um, for the last number of years. Is is there's no question we need bold, uh, transformative. Uh, a, a bold, transformative vision um, for our world, for, for people, for our planet, uh, in order to, to combat climate change. Uh, and that, that needs to involve a Green New Deal, right? That needs to involve mm-hmm. a comprehensive, um, at all levels, um, uh, with, with uh, <laughs> enormous uh, um, uh, funding uh, attached to it. Um, you know uh, to, to be able to to, to uh, um, realize the the change we desperately need I mean there's there's just no question right um, and uh, um, you know and that, that's something that the NDP has talked about uh, so 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 we need to keep pushing for that um, um, the, the legislation that that I've put forward is is very much in the in the parameters that we have for a private member's bill mm-hmm. um, you know and and some may not know that private members bills actually cannot direct the government to uh, 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 play with funding basically we cannot direct government to um, increase funding to expand funding uh, to direct funding um, and so so there are some limitations in in our ability um to in, in putting forward these private members' bills, right? So mm-hmm. so so we wanted to get at the 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 need to um, leverage public ownership in support of communities to take on climate change, and so mm-hmm. this is how we said, you know, in in discussions and in consultation, uh, including with with you know parliamentary experts, this was this was what um, uh, sort of where things you know how things ended up. Um, but, but really what we're calling for is, is a, a, um, uh, you know, a new way of looking at what we need to be doing. Right. And, and, and exactly, you know, what you guys have said, the need for, for collective action, that is only, that is the only thing that's going to get us through this. Uh, and, you know, and, 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 as for, for the funding piece, I mean, we saw, uh, historic levels of, of funding through this pandemic, right? Um, you know, and, 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 uh, as, as some who, who know the work that's required in terms of mitigation, um, if we only spent a fraction of that, frankly now, right. Uh, in terms of mitigation, we'd be better off, uh, than, than, uh, um, then, then we certainly are going to be in, in, uh, in, you know, months and a few years. Right. So, so, you know, we, we proved through this pandemic that there's a way, uh, to, to, um, uh, uh, redirect uh, public funding uh, in important ways. Um, we also saw ways that, that were, were not the right way, of course. Um, but, uh, but, you know, let's take a page from that in, in making uh, um, those historic investments uh, in, uh, in the fight against climate change, and, and that needs to involve public ownership uh and um, you know and, and also using our other crown corporations at all levels federal and provincial uh to, to do this kind of work we by no means are saying you know it should only it should only be this this one crown corp it's it everybody needs to be involved uh, so so we're we, we see this as as one of the tools and we're certainly a- asking for folks to see it that way as well uh, but um uh but but we recognize that uh um, you know that, that in order to get this moving, we we need uh, MPs from all parties, and particularly parties that that uh, that say they believe in climate change at least. Uh, that, um, that that you know it's in our hands that we can do this. We can make this one concrete uh, change to uh, to to really allow for for uh, um, you know for there to be some some hope and, and tangible action um, with respect to tackling climate change for communities.
0: It's just wild when we think about it, because how many more years are we going to have neoliberal, pro-capitalist solutions being presented to deal with this existential threat? It's as if like we know it hasn't worked. We're things are getting worse and worse every year, especially when it comes to to this issue. You know, in the, in the last year, we didn't mention it. but uh, Western Canada was on fire from the absolute increase mm-hmm. of the uh, lightning strikes, which is directly related to climate change and the changing of our ecosystem. So this idea Mm -hmm. that uh, all you're asking is that we shift a little bit, something that isn't working, that was perhaps presented with disingenuous means has been proven not to work. And now we can just make it a tool to help people, to help people that are going to be hurt by this in the next year. And I think maybe Mm -hmm. that's what people aren't aware of is that in the next year, we will see more crises thanks to climate change than we did in the year previous. And that's just going Mm -hmm. to keep happening. This is what people have scientists been telling us for years. And I I just feel like, you know, if if they if we can't get behind just this first step to help people with something that doesn't fucking work and to utilize it so it will work, then we got no chance. So, Mm -hmm. Nikki, we both wish you the the best of luck on this will be following uh, very <sighs> yeah. very closely uh, absolutely any final thoughts before we uh, we close out i know it's we yeah and where can we long... find
2: you on social
0: media too in
2: additional to thoughts
1: oh well final final thoughts thank you for your your uh, positive supportive words on on our bill and i uh, really appreciate the chance to to talk a bit about it today Um, You know, for for me and and for so many that that we've spoken to already, it's a source of hope Uh, and we're certainly um, inviting people to join the campaign. Uh, to to push this bill as far far forward as as we can Uh, and um, you know and and I would say in in times like these and that's how we started off this conversation there's a lot of things that uh, that are dark um, right that there's uh, there's um, you know our hearts are heavy with the kind of the conflict um, the the injustice we're we're witnessing here at home and around the world Uh, and so Let's uh, let's let's look for those those uh, those hopeful opportunities, and let's push forward. Um, you know, with with those those core values that so many of us carry. Whether it is the belief in in the power of the collective, right through public ownership, whether it's in the in the belief that uh, um, that peace is the most powerful thing that we can pursue. Um, you know, <clears throat> I think that's uh, you know the, the ability to come together through your podcast over this past year for so many of us is, uh, um, you know, allows us to, to, to really, uh, I think uh, um, uh, build strength. And, and, uh, and I hope for those listening, um, you know, build a sense of solidarity uh, that there's uh, so much to keep fighting for and, uh, and, and we'll all be better off uh, doing it. So thank you very much.
2: And thank you for stopping by again. Thank you again for being our first guest. Uh, on the show and uh, and our first guest after our first year anniversary thank you again
1: it's my my yeah. pleasure and my honor we'll have the cake another time. <laughs>